Hands off parenting. It's just hands off parenting. Put that down. Don't touch that. Stop it. Where's the Okay. okay. We're rolling. We are rolling. Well, hi. Welcome to Hands Off Parents. I'm Abby. I'm Steph. It's nice to see you today. And you you look very colorful, uh, large. I am <laughs> large. I went to Target okay. and I bought three giant, giant muumuu dresses because oh. my body will not fit into any of my maternity clothes anymore. I like this dress. I'm at that it's face. very cute. It's uh, it's sort of a '70s plaid, colorful housewife. I can, I I like it because once I start nursing, oh yeah, you'll I be can able to... unbutton it and just whip the boob out. I you know I feel like it takes an, a a second time around mother to to, to think realize about that. those things. Yeah, I actually spent this morning buying two maternity nightgowns. Okay. That like you unclip. Oh yes, I remember these well. To wear in the hospital, yep. or but then it really re- what I remember in the hospital is like you're just naked, right? Like you just wear in, like, a robe. I, I stupidly I was like, oh, I'll bring my uh, like my overalls that fit me before pregnancy because they're overalls and those are big. Yeah, you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I that's the kind of stupid thing. A first time, mom. yeah, <laughs> they didn't fit. Um, I have not packed my hospital bag yet, but I am thinking about that's it. all that matters it's it's the entered my my mental realm yeah so bring snacks i have to, that yes um yes i will do that <laughs> <laughs> and i also just like have to stop buying things yeah I, I, i'm now nesting for all of us right 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 it's like i'm I, you know like once you break that seal it's like peeing or something yeah you're like, you know let me just shop you're just like now i'm a person that can do this yeah and I think it's sort of related to the fact that I can't physically do anything right now. Like, I'm very restricted. So all I can do is, like, browse online and click. Yes. And I've, like, gone... I've gone fucking crazy. I have to stop. Please make... Tell me to stop. Stop. Stop shopping. Thank you. Done. Done. Um, the other fun thing that happened is I went to get an ultrasound yesterday. And um, it's called a biophysical profile. Any of you had this thing... The nurse says to the doctor, eight out of eight. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? What do they do, though? They just... They, they look at all their look, organs. And they like, add it up. And like they one measure... One organ. They, two. They, they have all these, you know... Um, Checkpoints. Yeah. It's a Likert scale. Yeah, like uh, when they're born, you know, they do a quick... Yeah. How likely are you to... Am I speaking English? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Apfgar, I think is what it's called. Okay. But I didn't know they did it on the fetus. So anyway, no. he passed his first test yesterday with flying colors. He wow. got an eight out of eight. He is a scholar in the making. <laughs> All his organs are intact. <laughs> you won. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you, can uh, pe- you can actually like cash it in now. You're done. <laughs> done. You passed your first test. Eight out of eight. You've, it's the hardest one. <laughs> actually, it kind of probably is. <laughs> um, so anyway. Uh, we, we have a fabulous guest today. Should stop talking. Yes, yeah. she's here. So we have a guest today who is like an exceptional and phenomenal person. I can't believe she agreed to come talk to us <laughs> today. Uh, she is a novelist. She's one of these novelists that has written like 17 books. Amazing. I mean, maybe eight. Whatever. It's all the <laughs> same. Uh, but prolific. I'm going to use the word prolific. Um, she is Houstonian. She is a public speaker. She is really lovely and nice to talk to as a human being. Um, and she has a book coming out very soon that I'm going to 
have her talk about called How to Walk Away. Uh, please welcome Catherine Center to the podcast. Hi. Hi. Hi, Catherine. Uh, ha- so welcome to our very fancy studio. Yeah, thank you. It is fancy. <laughs> yes, yes. That, la- that lamp is from Ikea. It's good. Very mm-hmm. fancy. Yes. I had nothing to do with putting it up, so. But I did think, I do think I had something to do with purchasing it. So okay. I'll take credit for that. Take yeah. it. You had the vision. So did you think you would come on a podcast and talk about lamps? Because that's what we do here. <laughs> sure. It's actually a lamp podcast. I actually like Hands to talk about lamps. So I'm kind of in. Lamps. Yeah. <laughs> lamps are cool. Yeah. Any decor, I'm there. So um, I connected with Catherine recently uh, because we, uh, I wrote my first virgin book. Um, Catherine is wiser than I, yeah, more experienced. Yeah, she's, I'm like the old grizzled goat. She's like, she's writing. been around the block many, many times. Yeah. And um, we had coffee the other day and I just ate her up. I thought she was great. And um, so first of all... I would love for you to tell us about this book you have coming out. Okay. Um, yeah. Just can you like give us a a quick synop? So this is the eighth? This is your eighth? Actually, it's so technically this is my sixth. Okay. okay. Um, but I'm just about to turn in sort of the final draft of seven to my editor. Wow. And just this morning, before I drove over here, I turned in the first three chapters and outline you know, book proposal for number eight. What? So you're right. So eight is actually the kind of the word of the day. Right. That's there. Yeah. It really does Um, blow my freaking mind. I don't don't even understand (laughs) that. I can't. Well, and one of the things I do want to get into is like about carving out time to do writing. And and if that gets harder or easier as your children get older. And I want to kind of talk about that because we, we really are interested in like how do people continue to be who they are and raise children simultaneously and yeah. try to do a good job at that, which you seem to be doing. So yeah. we're going to get to all that. Yeah. But um, talk about what really matters, which is your work. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not your parenting. <laughs> also, well, also, that also does matter. In fact, yes, 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 yes. I totally think that's hugely important and they're interconnected. Because honestly, actually, I struggled and struggled and struggled as a writer to like get a book deal and like sell a novel um for years for like eight years between graduate school and when it finally happened and I did not manage to sell anything for real until after I had had both my kids oh wow Um, and so I kind of didn't I didn't even write my first novel until I had had my first baby And it wasn't really until I had her that I figured out what I wanted to write about. Mm. So it's tangled up together, you know, because it helped me figure out what I care about. Totally. What my values are. Is there a common theme within your writing? Yeah. Okay. Um, So I write about the way that people get knocked down by life and then the way they pick themselves back up. Okay. And I do that mostly because I'm not very good at picking myself back up. You know, like when I get knocked down, I just want to lie there for like a week and just <laughs> be like, this is the worst. I can't believe this happened to me. <laughs> and uh, I have kind of started to figure out as I grow up that, you know, the faster you can get back up and get moving, the less time you have to spend yep. miserable on the floor. Like it's just kind of a, like a math sure. thing. So um, I've been trying very hard in my adult life to get better at that. And mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by how other people do it. Because I think some people, my sweet husband, for example, 
are really good at kind of like shaking things off and moving on. And I'm not that person. Like, like I obsess and yeah. I, you know, I suffer and I, you know, lay around. I mean, I hate to like, I hate to like gender type this, <laughs> but I do think that like women or the women, at least I know have a harder time with that than the men. Like my husband too. Like he, he can dust himself off like so much like a lightning so much faster than I can. And I don't, and I don't know, like, I think our worry mechanism is just so much more advanced. Yes. And that gets just totally exacerbated after you have kids. Sure. Right. Because there's this burden on you to keep them alive. Yes. And And the the heart outside of your body. Yes. Yes. And, and, but it becomes sort of your job, especially when they're really little to anticipate every possible way that they could get killed at every moment right right? and then prevent that from happening so you're just you're like the catcher in the ride just constantly sort of keeping things from yes killing your children right and I think that's an important skill when they're really little because they will happily get themselves killed yeah you know and and you're the only thing standing between them and death Mm -hmm. and then as they start to get older you have to kind of release that and it's very hard to do because you, you kind of you kind of wear this groove of worrying into your brain and it's hard to ungroove yeah. it you, you know? start worrying about other things yes you still worry yeah. I mean, you still worry yeah. about them right because you to- you're so good at worrying by yes. then you're just so good at it yeah um when when my son who's now 12 was a baby we thought that he we thought for a little while that he might be very sick and then he turned out to be fine but it took us a while to figure that out for sure it was about a year and um, I found that I just built this little highway of obsessive yeah. worry and I never could let go of it afterwards. You know, it, I had two modes with him. I had mm-hmm. everything is fine or the world is the fucking world is falling apart. Yeah. Like those were the, those were the only two options. Yeah. And so, you know, even if he had like the sniffles, I would just go into full out emergency panic mode, be, you know, be up all night worrying, worrying the adrenaline, the heart stuff. And so... I had to work really hard to try and figure out how to stop doing that. Yeah. Was Google a, a powerful thing when your kids were babies? Uh, yes. Not yet. Not yes. Yet. And I actually still to this day have a rule that I'm not allowed to Google anything. We just had a show about this. Really? Because we just had a show about <laughs> yeah. Googling. Stephanie like will go down Google holes and I will yeah. avoid them like yeah. the plague. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't even want to know. Yeah. I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah. dying and it's fine. My husband has a theory that if you never go to the doctor, you'll never get sick. I, my husband is the same way. <laughs> And Again, I think that's men. Yeah. <laughs> Mine too. And I'm like, please tell me every single thing that's wrong with my body at all times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I need all the information. But I think if you're a, if you're, well, for me, if you're a writer, like it, you know, being a writer is like being a person who can take some tiny little piece of nothing and spin it off into a big whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. You're great at it. And so when my husband uh, you know, would have to like, like one time I decided that our, um, our children had anthrax. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> just actually just one of them. As you do. <laughs> like you do. Um, we'd been out in the country and we'd been picking up bones that were, you know, out in this field. Okay. And then we got back to the house and we were like, we found these cool old cow bones. And, uh, the old, uh, ranch manager guy was like, oh no, no, no. You should never pick up bones that you see lying in a field because you don't know what that animal died of. And oh if it God. was anthrax. Because the animals are just dying of anthrax. Which does occasionally happen in like <laughs> Texas and Louisiana. My facts are off. 
um, the spores of that anthrax can be in the ground still. Oh, my God. You know, and you mess with the bones and the the spores like fly up into the air and your kids breathe them and boom. So we did this. We came home that night and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe we picked up those bones. What were we thinking? We're insane. Anthrax. Hello. (laughs) And then that night, my son got croup. (gasps) Oh, my God. So literally, I woke up at three in the morning to the monitor of my little three-year-old guy and he was going, and I was like, Oh my god! Oh my god! Just killed my kid. My husband. I was like, he's got anthrax. So we 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 rushed him in the middle of the night to the emergency place. Of course you did. And they tested him and decided he had croup. And you know, the whole time yeah. I'm like staring at my husband, like you've got to tell them that he might have anthrax. Right. And uh, my husband did not want to have to say that in front of the doctor because he felt like the doctor would think we were crazy. Yeah. And um, finally, I made him ask, and my husband was like, "Is there any possibility that this might be?" anthrax <laughs> you, know, you can just see my poor husband so just and like... the doctor was like no nope <laughs> nope and my husband's like is there any way you can give us a reason why we know for sure that it's definitely not anthrax and the doctor was like he'd be dead by now so <laughs> that's it he's good. it's group <laughs> you're good to go i don't know that's a great story so, yeah i can do that i mean that's my whole life yeah. if i'm not careful you right know, right i can right. just do that Spin all day long so are your characters in your book prone to worry? Are your characters in your book you? I, I wonder this about fiction because I... It's a good question. I don't write fiction. Yeah. Um, so the characters that I write are usually like a collage. And a, a, like I'd say 50% of it is probably me. Mm-hmm. And then 50% is just stuff I've pulled in from other people. So they're not me. And the things that happen to them have not necessarily happened to me. Mm-hmm. But they talk about it the way I would talk about it if it had happened to me. Because I always write in the first person. Okay. And I always try to write stories that feel basically like you are sitting at a really comfortable table with your best friend and talking late into the night. Like drinking coffee or wine or whatever. <laughs> like I always try to make them feel very intimate and I try to make them feel the way that you talk to your best friends. Okay. And so they're in first person. And so those narrators talk the way I talk mm-hmm. and this is very confusing for my mom because she reads the books and they sound just like me in her head mm-hmm. and um but then the characters are doing things that I haven't ever done right. you know so like on my first novel um there's a scene where the main character um sleeps with this not very nice man um her ex-boyfriend and um my mom was my first reader and I, you know, she called me when she was done and I was like, well, what did you think? And she just went, well, darling, I just hated it when you let that man back into your bed. Oh. I was like, no, it wasn't me. That's hilarious. That's yeah. That's so they sound like me. Right, right, right. right. But they, they're not actually me. Yeah. Are the main characters always women? Always women. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's because I don't know what men are thinking. Yeah. yeah. So how do you write men in your books? Well, I know what men do, uh-huh. like from the outside, you know what I mean? And I know what they could do and I know what they could say. But I think one of the things that, that I always try to do in these books is to have is to have the narrators be, did you say male main characters or just male, men at all? No, male main, main characters. characters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to have the main character be somebody who can like really, really tell you every single interesting thing about her emotional landscape Okay. and like analyze it in a way that is smart and sophisticated and wise and i just don't know what that landscape looks like inside a guy's head and i wouldn't presume to know right yeah i'm not sure i could get that right yeah 
So what is this latest book about? Oh, so it's about, um, it's about a woman who goes flying in one of those little tiny Cessna planes with her longtime boyfriend. He's been in the process of getting his pilot's license, but he doesn't quite have it yet. He's like one test away from having it. And he wants to propose to her. She's afraid of flying. And, um, but he talks her into going up in a, on a flight with him. Mm-hmm. And while they're flying, he proposes. And then before they get back down, he crashes the plane. Oh, oh. I knew you were going to say that. It's like <laughs> conflict. <laughs> I was so, like, yeah. if she doesn't say that, I, I don't know if the book's going to work. So that's chapter one, because she starts out thinking that she's just about to get everything she's ever wanted. Right. She's got a good job and she's got a guy that she loves and she's got a great apartment and, you know. She feels like things are falling into place. And then instead, by the end of chapter one, everything is blown apart. And the rest of the novel is about how she puts everything back together. Because, again, that's what I'm interested in. I'm so fascinated by how we do that. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, it sounds great. What what was the inspiration for that? How do you get your inspiration? Yeah, where does it come from? (laughs) Um, There were several things. Well, one, I'm terrified to fly. Mm. so you know it, that's a visceral thing so like if there's anything that's really visceral for you in life that's probably something you should be writing about okay um I also had read about this woman who was whose husband had been taking flying lessons he actually I think had his license but their plane crashed and he walked away without a scratch but she was horribly injured uh, really? um in not exactly the same ways but in similar ways and I um I, um, I found myself thinking about her a lot. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you pick yourself back up? And how do you rearrange your life into something that means something new? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing about me is that I, especially since having kids, I really, really find myself avoiding novels that are bleak or hopeless. Okay. See, and I could never be a novelist. <laughs> I can only write bleak and hopeless. Very true. <laughs> oh, I'd be yours a terrible very happily your story. <laughs> right. I think that I I think that raising children in the world that we live in is very difficult and requires a certain mindset of hope. You know, I think you have to be you have to kind of embrace optimism to feel like we're not all doomed and we can raise good people who can live good lives and make good choices. And yeah, um, it's a kind of inherently hopeful thing to do. I agree with you. I think having children is the most hopeful thing you can do, but I feel like my optimism stops there. <sighs> like I, I, sure. I, I don't know. Like I feel so doomed. <laughs> So you feel (laughs) hopeless for her and her future? No, I feel like very hopeful for her. I think, yeah, maybe like she has all of the hope that I have. I think that's a parenting go-to, you know, I want better for my child, right? Isn't that what all parents want? Yeah, in my mind, she's like the greatest thing and she's going to be incredible at everything. She's going to be the president. She's totally, yeah, I think she's the greatest. Yeah. So I guess that is hope. Yeah, I think. Yes. I think well, right. I mean, I think it's very easy to look around and feel totally discouraged and horrified yes. by Why? all kinds Everything of things. Is, everything everything so is awesome. It's all going <laughs> so well. So yeah. I think it's actually hard to feel hopeful. And I think that's why I want to read stories about it. Stories that come at that in an authentic mm-hmm. way. Not like 
bubblegum stories where everyone's adorable, but like stories about people who really have to struggle, but who do it in ways that are resilient and inspiring and funny. I love that. I think that's That's great. Yeah. I think that's great. And that's what I'm looking for. Depressing novels. I like them, but then you're like, oh, okay. You know. And that was that. (laughs) And here's my life too. So thanks. I really liked them more before I had kids. Like I just had a higher tolerance for that kind of stuff. Before we had kids. And after we had kids, I just found that, like, there was so much worry and there was so much struggle and there was so much exhaustion Mm -hmm. that, like, in the rare moments when I actually had a few minutes to, like, curl up with a book, I wanted to read something that was going to make me laugh. Yeah. Feel better. Yeah, that was going to be satisfying and inspiring, not something that was going to make me feel like we're doomed. Right, right, right. right. I think this is why I watch the same Office episodes (laughs) over and over again. Yeah. This is why I like this new show, Barry, on HBO, because it's, like, good and smart and funny. It is. It's kind of depressing, too. Oh, you think so? I think it's funny and depressing. He's very depressed. I think it's hilarious. It's great. It's a great show. HBO. Barry. So good. He's a hit man. He wants to be an actor. It's very bizarre. He's like so weird. He can't fit into the normal world. Yeah. It's a pretty good show. We recommend it. We recommend. We endorse it (laughs) here on Hands Off Parents. (laughs) It's really great. Um, So I I wanted to know like, because we have these four-year-olds. Um, and they obviously demand a different kind of thing than your children do, who are 15 and 12. 12, right. So have you found that it is easier or harder for you to do your own creative process as your kids have gotten older? Like, how has that shifted and changed? How have you been able to carve out time? Yeah. And let me, can I ask you a question? And this, yeah. is, I don't mean this in any kind of negative way, sure. but this is your job, right? You do this for a living, yeah. which is Yeah. I awesome. don't have any other. You don't have another. It's my like, only job. Okay. Yeah. My only source of. Which is income. amazing. Which yeah. is amazing <laughs> that that works. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm very lucky. Knock on, well. Knock on some wood right there. Sure. It's talent. Um, That's not real wood, but it, it's cool. good enough. It's it fine. Yeah. I mean, we get it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it works enough. You're doomed now, Catherine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Knock on something else. We'll get there. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so your time. So How carving do you out time. Yeah. Yeah. That is tricky, right? Because truly, truly for me, I did not figure out what I wanted to write about until I literally didn't have the time to write about it. Because kids are quite a time suck. Yeah. I mean, they just are. They're there all the time and they need you and you love them more than you love yourself and you don't want them to want for anything. Like I was never able to like close the door and be like, mommy's working, you know, and just let them light things on fire in the other room. Like if they wanted me, I was there, you know, and that's still the case. Um, I like them. I really like my kids. Awesome. Actively. Like Mm -hmm. they've grown up to be hilarious warm-hearted always did you always like them I've always liked wow I have I've always liked them um and so but I was super exhausted when they were little because my daughter didn't sleep through the night until she was two and a half and by then her brother had come along and he did not sleep through the night until he was five wow so I had like seven solid years of like eyeball quivering exhaustion like and 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 you know just mental non-functioning desperation like the minute I woke up yeah my first thought was when can I get a nap like that was my first thought for years and years I was like a crazy person and um 
and I was writing books also trying to write books and be with the little guys and what I the the habit that I fell into to kind of um I'm not really a multitasker in general um I'm kind of a one thing at a time person I can write a novel and then I can like I was awesome when we just had one kid I like made my own organic baby food and froze it in little things and you know I was totally on top of it and then as soon as we had two kids I was suddenly like you know done with that yeah I was yeah I was just like we're gonna do the best we can and if we have to eat mud we'll eat mud yeah so um, so mud eating is what I had to look forward to (laughs) yeah I was what you're saying yeah when I had suddenly had two one was manageable and two was a lot more than two somehow I don't know for me it was a lot it's double yeah and you've you've always had two so it's only you're you only know I think that's the huge difference I don't know any other way Yeah. yeah 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 from the start you've had two yeah yeah so that's pretty impressive i don't know if actually. it's better or worse though i have no idea <laughs> i'm thinking worse or better it, either way but um, so okay. go on so, yeah so because i'm not a multitasker one of the things that i started doing early on when i would have deadlines like hey you've got to turn in this novel um is i would go out of town okay literally like find a cheap hotel or borrow a house from a friend or just find some place that was not my own house because I don't have an office right I just you know write in my house in my fuzzy slippers and if the kids are there then I would I mean I think it's a good thing about me probably a good sign about me that like if I have a choice between the actual living humans in my life and my imaginary people Mm -hmm. I pick the living humans like I'll pick my kids every time right um but it's hard to shut them out and actively engage with get things done imaginary people. Yeah. so yeah so I go out of town and I'm very lucky because my mom has a little tiny tiny beach shack in Galveston oh nice and Galveston so, is a beach town that's like 45 minutes outside of Houston for those who are not local continue yeah, sorry. <laughs> and so um yeah whenever I have a big deadline I'll go down there for like four or five days and just not have any human interaction and just hang out and like eat snacks and Right. And I can get, you know, I can get two or 300 pages done in a very short amount of time. Wow. Because I don't have to stop and start. Right. You know, it just right. builds on itself. It like snowballs. Yeah. And then suddenly I've written a huge amount of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, you have to like prioritize it, I think, because yeah. life gets in the way. If, when, especially when you have kids, if you don't carve that time out, it won't be there. I, um, so I used to write more. <laughs> Abby's a a playwright. I used to write a lot. Um, And then I went back to school. So now I have to like write for school, which is a totally different style of writing. She's getting her doctorate. Getting her doctorate. But um, I'm just like, you're just like feeling guys know each other. But that I find that to be the hardest part, just carving out time and making it a priority. Because you're right. Like when you're home and somebody says, "Mom, come here. Mom, come here. Mom, come here." I mean, I'm at that point where everything is like, "Mom, I drew a bunny. Mom, I drew." You know, and just like getting up, and I'm like, "You bring it here. I'm at the computer." (laughs) So yeah, yeah, yeah. Leaving sounds lovely. It is hard to. Yeah, it's hard to say this. It's hard to prioritize that above other things. Yeah. Above living humans who actually need you. Yes. Um, and and also going and checking on the bunny that they drew. Yes. It's it, like you you got to do that. Yeah. Like you need to do that. They yeah. need you to do that. Right, right. You know, you have to show them that that matters to you. Yeah. So. And I know stuff like stays up till four o'clock in the morning. 
and I or and or other authors who get up at four o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and do their writing then. But I'm just neither of those. That, like I need to go to bed at ten, and I also can't wake up before five thirty. Like it just doesn't yeah. work. So that's good because yeah. you know everybody's different, and you just kind of know what's going to work for you. Yeah, I highly recommend. Uh, going to some luxurious nice place if you can possibly swing it and like handing your kids off to trustworthy adults because it's it's harder to stop and start and it's harder to be in your own space like even just like you know people are like how do you how do you get things done and I'm like I don't do any housework like I literally have a rule that I cannot do the breakfast dishes until after the kids come home from school at four so our breakfast dishes sit in the sink all day long because if you start yep. doing that then suddenly you're sweeping the kitchen floor and then the next thing you know you're vacuuming and then suddenly it's four o'clock in the afternoon and you're out weeding the garden and you haven't gotten anything done it's like a slippery slope yeah i don't think i've ever swept my kitchen floor i'm just <laughs> gonna say that. i'm just gonna put that out there no but i know i sometimes i'm like i have to clean everything first i mean clean i'm right. air quoting right before i can do anything because i need to organize all that but it's just procrastination. It's just a form of procrastination. Yeah, it's just pure procrastination. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Like, during the day would be a really good time for me to write, but I can't do it during the day. Like, I my, my creative brain only clicks on at night. So it's like, when she goes... So I have to put her to bed. Her father is unable to do this. He's very capable and loving and wonderful, but for some reason, she just has to have it be me (laughs) it's like I'm her mother or something right um and so usually like I can get out of her room by between 8 30 and 9 yeah I don't understand that so then like at 9 is where my stuff starts yeah like that's when so I don't know it's like I don't know if it's chicken and an egg though like I think I've always been a night I have I've always been a nighttime person but like I also, like you were saying, have become much more productive creatively since she's been born. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And so I feel like at nighttime is when I, as a mother, have like had to make stuff happen mm-hmm. because it's when she's not on me. Mm-hmm. It's like the only time. So well, I don't it's know like they if say, it's like... The busier you are, the more time you have yeah. in a very bizarre way. Yeah. You just, you're more precious about it. Yeah. And you're more protective of it. Yes. Yeah. You know? That is very true. Um, so that that is interesting. Um, so how do your kids inspire your work? I mean, do they show up in your work? Like, do are they part of it or is it do your do your characters have kids or are they struggling with these things so yeah the early books that I wrote everybody had kids who were about the age of my kids who were little because I was like kids are hilarious yeah like they're such a great field to mine for comedy you know they do hilarious stuff all the time Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to like squander that so I yeah so my first several books were you know people called them mommy lit right because they you know the mom the main character was always a mom and my first book is about a woman who has a baby it's about that first year with a baby and um you know the whole thing is a disaster but in a good way um and then later really that's people's experience of having babies (laughs) mine (laughs) yours is precious totally smooth (laughs) I don't I don't even know what that's like it's crazy (laughs) (laughs) these people who are like 
Oh, I hate these people. These, these, <laughs> I, I, it was so easy for me. I, I like, it's like, it's like, it's like punching me in the face. Yeah. If somebody you know, says that to me, yeah. I'm like, even if it was, how fucking dare you <laughs> yeah. say that to another mother? Why would you ever say that? <laughs> keep that shit to yourself. It's like, it's like if I had like a ton of money or something, like you keep, there's things you keep to yeah. yourself. Yeah. You don't say it out loud. I agree. Yes. That, that is the one. Oh, it was so easy. Uh, I, I had a, my first birth was a disaster. Like the whole, just physically, the whole thing was just insane. And, um, I kept running into people who were like, oh, mine was very peaceful. Oh Ooh. God. You know? And I was like, don't, don't tell me about that. Cause that's, you know, that's what you wanted. When you shoved yeah. the baby out of your vagina, yeah. that was peaceful. <laughs> Man, I mean, like, I will say mine went fine. And even that was horrible. Yeah, Yeah, it was terrible. You're pushing a baby out of your vagina. How could that not be terrible? I don't know. I projectile vomited everywhere. Like, and then like, it was like, it all came out, everything. Like, literally, (laughs) nothing good happened. And it was fine. It was still fine. Right. You still vomited everywhere. (laughs) When my OB, like, every time I, I have to go now weekly, you know, and she, like, shoves her hand up there to feel the cervix to make sure it's not dilated, that hurts. Yes, it all hurts. <laughs> like, it all hurts. It's like, and I've never had a vaginal birth, and I never will. So, I mean, more power to you guys, but uh, it's all painful. I just it like to get hurts. my stomach sawed in half and then have the thing pulled <laughs> yeah, out of it. Yeah, and then there's that. <laughs> like, um, I had taken, a like, a birthing class um, that was very um, sort of hippie-ish with a whole bunch of hippie-ish people, and... Um, we had watched a number of videos of women like very peacefully giving birth in a forest. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, like, oh, no. like on a soft bed of leaves, oh. and 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 you know it had played this gentle music, and 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 I think the, the unspoken kind of idea of this class was that if you had the right mindset, right, this would be your experience. That is yeah. just you such know? bullshit. Yeah. And I was I was I approached the whole giving birth thing in such an overachieving sort of way. Like I read every book and I um, thought it all through and we had the birth plan and you know I had all these opinions about drugs versus not drugs and all the different stuff. You know, in the way that you can be opinionated when you don't know anything. Yeah. You yeah. know? Right. Like, I am go- I am yeah. not doing drugs. <laughs> yeah, I was I very scornful of other people's choices, yeah. and I knew that there was a right way, and I was going to do it the right way. And then all that just totally got blown out of the water, and it was, you know, I wound up getting, like, a crazy epidural. Although, my baby was having um, D-cells in her heart rate. Um, when I was having contractions. So they had to keep me lying on one side while I was in labor. I couldn't lie on my back or, you know, anything else, just this one side. And so they came in after 17 hours, they came in to give me a, an epidural and, um, you, you waited 17 hours. hours? Actually, by the time I finally caved, they couldn't find the anesthesiologist. Like he was busy. Like, so we had to wait for him then. Um, but he came in, he finally got me, and, and my contractions were coming really quickly, and he had to get this needle, you know, into my back in yeah. between the contractions, because it couldn't be during the contractions. Right. And so there was all this, like, time pressure and craziness, and then he finally gets the epidural going, and it's working, except I have to be lying on one side, and so all the medicine sinks to one side. <laughs> And so the left side of my body was completely numb and the right side of my body was as bad as it was before. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? I'm, I'm just insane. like, I'm sorry. Am I freaking you out? No, okay. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just sitting here like, oh, I'm going to have to do this shit in fucking three weeks. <laughs> I'm just like, oh God, you know, it's, I'm just like, it's about the belly of the beast. It's yeah. just coming. And yeah. you, you, I was telling Mike 
I'm in so much physical pain right now. I'm just really in a lot of pain. And I forgot, I completely forgot about this stage of pregnancy and how physically hard it is. And I have also done a terrific job of blocking out all, all of that, that shit stuff. that we're yeah, talking all about. All that stuff. <laughs> I will tell you that when it was time to go in to have my second baby, like the minute we walked into the hospital, I was like, bring on the epidural. Yeah. Like, get like you know, that going. Over here. I want it right For now. For me, I don't know if you guys had this, but when the epidural went in, it was so painful. It hurt oh, me it? so bad. I was worried because I had heard that. And I, so I was really worried about that. But it was, it was, it didn't feel good, but it was oh, definitely I, not as bad as I anticipated. The, I was more worried about that than anything else. I and I, I guess I, 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 I was worried about being cut open, you know, more so. But something happened when I went to the OR. I remember this very vividly. It was so cold, you know. It's so cold in ORs. Mike wasn't with me. He was still like they don't let them come in for a minute. He had yeah. to get cleaned up or scrubbed or whatever. And uh, I was by myself. And they the second. And I was looking around and I saw all this medical stuff and I just started panicking. I just, I think I had, I think I had a panic attack maybe. Probably. And the second they stuck the needle in, all of the anxiety in my body came out and I just started sobbing. Uh, it was like yeah. somebody had like yeah. pinched me, you know, and then when you're on the precipice of it and I just was like, holy shit, I'm going to be a mom. <laughs> like I just like realized like what was happening. Like it's, I'm about to deliver a baby. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's no turning experience. back. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't be like, oh, no, 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 no. She has life. to come out. Never Welcome. mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Such a, yeah. I mean, guys, it's no joke. This, <laughs> this, this mothering thing. It's no joke. But it's so good too. Yeah. I oh, mean, totally. I feel, I, I must say that, but like, oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, when they were little, it was really hard for me because I'm very verbal. Yeah. I mean, I'm a talker from a long line of talkers, and um, I didn't like that they couldn't talk to me. I didn't like not knowing right. what was going. I was like, "What? Yeah, you know what? Right, right. What, what do it? you want?" You know? And 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 that was frustrating to me. And then once they be- got to that age, once they became sort of verbal and able to kind of articulate right. what was going on, um, I was much happier. Like it was easier for me once we could talk. Yeah, talking was huge for me. Yeah, you know, there are people who just love babies and just want to hold babies and. I like babies. Babies are great, but but I really like. Oh God, people. they're yeah. terrible. Yeah, no, no I agree. I, I, I <laughs> like, once they started talking, it just felt like a weight off. Like, yeah, now like we can, can finally. Like, What's going on yeah, in there? Yeah, like, what do you got going on? Yeah, we we got these um, Bob books. They're called Bob books. Yeah, yes. we know you know Bob mm-hmm. books, and because uh, Iris is very interested in reading right now, so she's been doing all of her like blending words in school, and you know she's got sight words that has, are being sent home, so she's starting. And so last night she was reading sentences. That's cool. And I felt like this sense of joy that I just can't articulate. I was like, because I was watching her work so hard. You know, she's sounding them all out. And like, she's looking at me like every time she wins a, a word and she's so proud of herself. And, and then like putting it all together and then making a sentence. I'm just like. I nursed you like yeah. four years ago yeah. and now you're reading sentences. Yeah, like what an incredible fucking thing. Yeah. I have that sometimes when my kids are doing their homework, I'll just look at them and I'll be like, they're thinking. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> 
their and brains are so them. great. Yes. Thinking. It's so yeah. great. That's I very did that. Cool. Like, yes. I made that happen. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, that's the hope part. That's that what we were talking about in the beginning. Uh-huh. That's definitely what that is. It is. So do you, so it sounds like, um, you're very active and involved in their lives. Yes. Has that caused any challenges? I mean, they're teenagers. Yep. So I'm curious because, you know, we don't know what it's like to have teenagers. Did, at what point are, are you ever worried that they're going to be like, peace out now, mom, <laughs> and I'm done with you? How to walk away. Yeah. <laughs> the teen years. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So my daughter's 15. Because that's right there. I mean, she, I, yeah, we're in ooh, theory, we're in the thick of it. Yeah. And this is, this is a moment where you're going like, to like punch me in the face you. because she's so nice. She, uh, she's not doing any of that teenager stuff. Really. Uh-huh. I, I can't guarantee that it's not coming. Um, but uh, I'm living in a kind of a lovely bubble of, of haven't quite. Wow. Although. Did you, now did you, was when I nice you were a mom? teenager, when you were 15, did you go through a teen, like, get away from me, I am my own woman? Not really. No. So that's the thing. So I think that I always expected that they would just be nice to me because I was nice to my mom. Okay. So you, and you get along with your mom. I get along great with my mom. And I, um, I don't know. I just like, I I behaved. I was very well behaved. Mm -hmm. Um, and and your daughter is as well. She, I mean, she is, but it's not because she lives in fear of us. It's more like, um, she just wants to do the right thing and. And we all kind of recognize that it's more pleasant when we get along. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I will say, we have a super fun family. Like, my husband is hilarious. He's like, if you crossed Jimmy Stewart with Bill Murray, you'd kind of get my husband. Okay. Like he's, he's kind of like an upstanding citizen and a good person, and he wants to do the right thing, and he's very earnest, but he's also like kind of a little bit naughty and mischievous and, and funny. And he's the funniest person I know on the planet. So, and the other thing about him that's great is that he makes everything fun. You know, there are people who like suck the fun out of everything. Yes. He's the opposite of that guy. Like no matter where you are, if you're like at a, at an insurance seminar, he's making it, fun. he's the cracking fun jokes and he's making it fun. It's nice. So he makes everything fun. So I think the kids have watched us be that way with each other, like bantering and joking around. And like, as they've gotten older, they've looked for ways that they can jump in and start to participate. It's like a group project, Mm -hmm. you know, at dinner to like create fun stuff, you know, to make each other laugh. And and they get along, the kids. They do. And I actually, um, I just always expected them to get along. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I know that, I think that we probably were very lucky that we got, they were terrible sleepers, horrible sleepers to the point where I almost lost my mind but they're also just like very sweet-hearted people and I think a lot of that's luck of the draw yeah um well you are I've known you for (laughs) half an hour and you are a very sweet person so it's prize kindness yeah yeah very highly I mean we value that above other things like you know when you think about what your dream is for your kids like is it go to Stanford is it you know rule the world like for me it's I hope that they grow up to be nice people we yes, talk about we this talk about this all the time, time. this you know? is this is like the bottom line for us yeah. too I just want them to be nice and I want them to like know how to laugh right you know? just know how to have a good time yeah because yeah. life is going to be hard in lots of different ways but no. if you can find ways to laugh about it you're going to be okay um so yeah so so the teenage years 
I also recognize that like they have to push away from you, right? Like you're the you're the dock and they're the little boat and they have to go Yeah, like do you worry that they're not pushing away from you enough? <laughs> well <laughs> Are you like developmentally like, okay, go like smoke a joint on the roof. <laughs> Please do something. Like yeah. just go. I will pretend something bad. Like, I'll, and then I'll maybe pretend to get mad at you. You know, I was I just expect them to be like I was. And I was just like I mean, I did goofy things and I had a lot of fun and I I wasn't great about getting my homework done, but I I was essentially not terribly rebellious. Oh, God. Okay. I'm, like, having a panic attack right now. Because, like, <laughs> if my kid is like me, well, I think that's hard. I don't know. Uh, my sister has a 13. He's going to be 13. And they are really close. I mean, he's definitely started to push away a little bit. Um, but. I think it's different with boys, though, too. It might be. Because, like, she'll, she'll tell me things. And I'm like, why do you know that about him? You know, like. Oh, and his girlfriend, I'm like, I would have never told my mom any of that stuff. You know, I kept it all t- a secret, but I wonder if it's just, but she was really open with my mom. So I wonder if it's just, you know, how you were with your parents, you sort of expect your kids to be, but you're really close with your mom now. Yeah. I mean, we've always been really open, but we were bad. You were bad kids. Yeah. <laughs> we did terrible things. Well, but what that's going to do for you is when you are going, if, if, and when you wind up going through that with your own kids, you're going to have all kinds of wisdom about it, right? Because you're going to get it because you went through it. Well, and I also think my parents were very naive about oh, yeah, our too. behavior <laughs> and I will not be naive about my kids' behavior. I expect all of it. Yeah. You yeah. know, whereas I don't think my parents did. But would would then do you stop it? Because I feel like I made it. I feel like the reason I am the way that I am is because I did all this stuff and I came out stronger. Yeah. Um, And so do you stop your kids from learning that lesson? Well, like, so for you, like what, what, like sex and drinking and drugs and the teen stuff that they start experimenting with. What if your daughter, like, what if she in two years when she's 17, like. Or 16, she's like, hey, I want to have sex or I want to get drunk or, you know, like how that stuff starts to happen. Yeah. No, I think that I, ex- you know, I expect that we will. I mean, that's what being a teenager is about, right? You have Experimenting. to. Ex- yeah, you have to try stuff and you have to do scary things so that so that you don't grow up to be a timid adult, right? right. You, like, I think it's really important for them to. Risk taking. Yeah, to do some of that stuff. Um, so I think. You know, one thing I definitely know about parenting is you have to take things sort of one disaster at a time. Sure. And so you have to sort of take what's, you you know, like, like I remember when I, when I was younger and my kids were younger, I would hear these horror stories, you know, from parents of older children Mm -hmm. about terrible things that were happening. You know, like I remember when mom came up to me in the carpool line one time and told me that the kids in the high school were having sex in this back parking lot. And, you know, I had like a five-year-old at the time. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> that can't be happening. That's not appropriate in school, you know. But who knows if that was really happening. Yeah. I worried about it because yeah. I have such a, like, robust worry highway. But um, you can't worry about it, right? All you can do is just sort of take it one day at a time with your own kids, with the kids that you've got. Yeah. And sort of whatever issue comes up for them, you've got to try and just help them through that issue. And I try to be non-judgmental sure um and i will say that the one other thing that my this is one of my wise things about parenting i was trying to bring some of those to y'all today since we're further down the path uh one thing that we did that i think was really smart is um we cultivated in our family 
um, a culture of appreciation. Yeah. And that's not to say that we never said no or that we never got mad or that we never, you know, had issues or never struggled or anything like that. It's not like it was like all unicorns and rainbows. But we, my husband and I worked very hard to make sure that when they did stuff right, we noticed it mm. and, we, and we called their attention to the fact that they were doing it right. And then we thanked them for it, you know, and we appreciated it. Yeah. Because I have this whole, he's a teacher and a coach and, um, he believes, and I believe it too, just for my own life, that the that like people do better when you encourage them. Yeah, so true. To go one way, yeah. Than if you just are constantly saying no, don't do that, yeah. don't do that. Like yeah. you've got to tell them what you want them to do. That's right. And the way you do that is through encouraging them, right? You know, it's and yeah. I think when you have little kids, that's where the no, 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 yeah, stop, no, stop, no. stop, no, no, because it's like the stu- don't kill yourself, yeah, right. right. And then it's just the irrational whining tantrums, you know, just the big emotions. We we've the, this week we usually go to the park every day after school, and right by her, you know, on her playground, and I always tell her, okay, let's go, let's go, and she doesn't want to go, she doesn't want to go, and like of late, she's been getting to the car and then starts having a meltdown because she's too sweaty. And I'm like, this is your fault. <laughs> you, if we would have gone when I told you to 45 minutes ago, you wouldn't be dripping with bodily fluid. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, we've been having this battle over her getting, and I just like have no patience for the whining. The whining is just like presses every button in my body. So yesterday we got in the car and she like wasn't whining. And I was like, Iris, <gasps> You are doing such a good job. Look at you. You're sweaty, but you're not complaining about it. You're happy in your car seat. I am so proud of you. Yeah. Yep. And oh my God, you would think I'd given her a million dollars. Yeah. Her smile was, and then at dinner, she said to Mike, mommy was really proud of me because I was sweaty and I didn't cry about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can you hear her saying I can. It is hard. I, and I have been trying that too. And, and Jack is, I mean, every, I find myself saying things. I'm like, oh, why did you say Why like, did you say that? I don't want to yell at you. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. Don't make money. Yes. But that is, but so like the other day, thinking about what you're just saying, um, my little guy, Levi, is just, he's so mean. I mean, he's just really mean. And we were in the other room and we heard him go, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, Jack. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So he obviously did something by accident, probably hit him. And usually they hit each other and cry and then nobody says sorry. But he just was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And me and Rob were like, what just happened? But we didn't know if we should run out there and be like, good job, good job, good job. Or we kind of just let it be because he's, right. he's that kid that if you're like, thank you for doing that, he'll never do it again. Right. Like, oh, you don't call me, you know, don't prop me up, you yeah. parents. So, <laughs> but I don't know. I, we, I wasn't sure if we made the right decision or not, if we should have acknowledged that. Um, there's kind of a good workaround for that, too. Um which is sometimes if you don't want to like come in and freak them out yeah. and be like, great job. Yeah. You can later, you can tell a story about another kid yeah. who did something very similar and then just talk, you know, even sometimes just an earshot, like talk with your mate and be like, wasn't that amazing? I know. I was really impressed by that. And they hear you, yes. you know, and they get that same message without feeling like attacked. Like it's about them. On them. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Then they can connect that they did that. Yeah. We do a That's... lot of that like fable 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great idea. Like impromptu made up fable telling yeah. about, you know, imaginary kids or we did when our kids were younger. There's this book that, that they're reading in school that Iris has been talking about a lot. It's what you're talking about. And it's something about a bucket. And essentially she explained it to me the other day and I said, I wanted to go read the book with her this morning. So I went and read it with her. And basically it's that there, everyone has an invisible bucket. And the bucket is full of good stuff and love and happiness and joy. And when you're sad or lonely or somebody's mean to you, they, they dip into your bucket and they take some of that out. And, but they also take it out of their bucket. Whenever you're mean to somebody, you're emptying your bucket and the other person's. But when you're nice to somebody and you compliment them and you make them feel good, you fill their bu- bucket up. And you fill your bucket oh, up. That's nice. That's a and, great story. And yeah. it's it's and she's like riveted by this metaphor. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, cool. I'm going to start using this bucket thing, you know. And and also, you know, you know, you can go out of your way to fill other people's buckets up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her teacher has put a bucket in the classroom with a bunch of like blank pieces of paper. And when somebody does like nice things, they're going to start filling up the bucket. And so they're really working on this kindness initiative um very montessori i know it totally is like the but there's the kool-aid and i am drinking it i'm guzzling it up and i'm uh, yeah it's incredible it's it'll work i think that'll work totally um so i thought that was a really great way to explain that and like something that she seemed to connect with yeah i like it um can i tell you guys a story yeah Yeah. <laughs> Did you know you're a guest on the show? This yes, please. <laughs> this is my moment. This is okay. your moment. Let's I'm hear grabbing it. this moment. Um so when I first started dating my husband, which was in nineteen ninety four. So I don't know what the math is on that, but a long, long time, time ago. ago. Yeah. Twenty four yeah. years ago. A long time ago. I was twenty two, he was twenty five. Um I really liked him. Like I thought, <laughs> okay, like I really like this guy. Like I'm in. Yeah. You know? And he really liked me. He had actually already told me that he felt certain we were going to wind up getting married. And in that first year that we were dating, um, I started to realize that, like, I would actually like to do that. Like, I was like, okay, like, this guy, this is, this guy could work, right? And once I started taking the relationship seriously, one of the things I started doing was criticizing him because I wanted to help him be a better person Mm -hmm. so that we could have a good relationship so that we would be successful. Okay. And, um, so we had a, like an important moment that happened, um, probably about a year in when I was, it was some night and I was just sitting there telling him all the things that he was doing wrong, you know, so that he could fix them right. so that we could be happy. Yeah. Right. And have a good relationship. I was trying to help him be a better version of himself, himself, which yes, is my, yes. that was my view of it. Like no I was woman, no him. woman has ever done yeah. that <laughs> in the history of the world. But my heart was really in the right place. I just wanted to help him be better. Um, but somehow in the process of this conversation, he was like sitting quietly and kind of nodding and like taking it all in. And then he finally just said, you know, when I look at you, I just see all the things I admire. And I wish that you could look at me the same way. I know. And for me, it was like one of those kind of pivotal life changing little moments where I like froze in my shoes and thought, is that a thing? Like, do people do that? Like, can you do that? Is that an option? Like, Mm -hmm. because I had always been, 
I'd always viewed being critical as like a an honor that you <laughs> that you bestowed upon people. Yeah, and even yourself, right? Like I was always hard on myself because I was trying to hold myself to a very high standard. Did you have critical parents? Like, is this a learned behavior? Like that you t- criticize? You know, like to to improve. That's a good question. I don't feel like my mom is critical. But I feel like there were very high standards in my house, for mm-hmm. sure. Academically, you know. Right. Like, comic books were not viewed as reading, for right. example. Right. But, you know, novels. And were. we should say that Catherine's sister is, like, literally running for Congress. Oh, yes. Yeah. My yes. Yeah, my sister's running for So this. you so. guys have won. <laughs> this is a winning like, family. This family doesn't suck. Yeah. When is your parenting book coming out? <laughs> yeah. Is really my question. Really worked very hard on all this. Maybe this would be your this 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 your nonfiction as your parenting book. You know, I'm not sure why anybody would turn to me for, for parenting <laughs> advice, other than the fact that my kids have turned out really sweet. Knock on wood. Yeah, I mean they're like the sweetest people. They really are. Yeah. Um. But anyway, that culture of appreciation that yes. I keep talking about, like that was the moment when I was yeah. 22 when he said that to me about, I wish that you could see the things you admire instead of the things everything that's wrong he was like sure there's plenty that's wrong yeah but and it was like I had been operating under this idea that I needed to find everything that was wrong and fix it and only when everything was fixed yeah could we then proceed on to being happy Mm -hmm. right and his idea has always been that like you're never going to get it all fixed like there's always going to be stuff there's always going to be things falling apart and disasters and hard stuff going on all at the same time. And the trick is to really savor the good stuff anyway, you know, and like enjoy that good stuff anyway. And I think I like that shifted my thinking in this sort of seismic way when I first started going out with him. And then I started working on it like actively, like as a, like, you know, as a, like you're a good man, I will do this for you kind of thing. And I slowly got better at it. And then when we had kids, it was like an like the way that we treated them was like an outgrowth of that mentality of like we're just going to we're just going to admire you like and when they're really little it's so hard because they're they're like crazy people but as they get older and, and become more sort of human um we look for we look for stuff to get excited yeah. about we're like oh my god look what you're doing yeah, you know you know biology and, and, and it becomes a habit is the thing yeah. and then you don't have to think about it or concentrate on it or work to do it it just it just kind of ha- like that's just ha- you're just sort of you know, doing hopscotch from one admirable thing to the next. And it's becomes this culture of encouragement. Right. And I think I'm very good at discouraging myself. And I think about it a lot in terms of writing, because I think it's very easy to tell yourself that you're no good and you're never going to get anywhere and this sucks. And, and, and if you do too much of that, then you just quit. Yeah. And I've had to sort of teach myself as a writer how to encourage myself, right? How to be like, you know what, this is, there's something good here. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's plenty that's not working, but there's something good that I'm going right. to stick with here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that for any kind of art that you want to do, or maybe other things too, you have to be able to encourage yourself. And I think if you're, if you're good at it, you'll, you can do so much more than if you are constantly cutting yourself back. Yeah. That's wow. a great outlook. It is. That I, I am now going to process strive <laughs> strive like, to... i will now strive to process that yes. outlook i will like, cut it down right now yeah. <laughs> no i think that's amazing i, I think that's amazing wisdom no i think that's I absolutely that, that amazing that 4 I mean, yeah it's beautiful talk about yeah appreciation and encouragement i'm yeah. like a huge evangelist for encouragement it is it is so i mean 
I was just telling the story last week. We, we we went on a trip, me and my husband, and like the, we just immediately started complaining. And I was like, let's just not. Like, let's just not. And it was fine to not. And it was better. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. It like went well, well. That said, I do, like, it is totally my instinct to complain yeah. about things. And we often, like, every summer we go on a road trip with our kids and we drive up to New York where my husband's folks live. And then we drive around all these little towns. And I always want to, like, find, like, cool little hotels like historic hotels and stuff to stay in and then we get there and I always go this hotel is awesome but you know and then I start listing all the things that I don't like about like why did they have to put that weird rug over there and you know the air conditioning kind of smells like mold and what's the deal and so my kids were like you never ever just go full stop like you never ever stop at this hotel is awesome Mm -hmm. you always have to add a but and I was like I can go full stop I can totally do that And so then for the rest of the trip, that was my challenge. This was last summer. And I would be like, this hotel is awesome, period, (laughs) comma. But I do have to mention that it smells like a sweat sock in here. Like, I don't know what the deal is. (laughs) And my kids would be like, you can't do it. But I'm trying. Yeah. You know, it's not my nature to just love everything and be excited, but I'm really trying. And you seem like you have an incredible ability to self-reflect. Yes. Which is not (laughs) easy. No, for a lot of people, most people don't. It's really hard. I mean, you seem like you are very willing to look at your own stuff and change course if need be, and that's really important, I think, in terms of parenting. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So, this yeah. has been such a great. It's conversation. been great, and we could talk to you for seventy-five more hours. We've gone for an hour. Wow! <laughs> and I have to go to work. Abby has to go, to, go to, work. to work. It's always like with it's the working and the job, <laughs> and she's got making all this money. Oh yeah. <laughs> professoring at that school and anyway um Catherine this was so wonderful when does when does your book come out um soon May 15th wow so maybe the day I give birth yes possibly we will be birthing things (laughs) the same day and hopefully yours is less bloody yes Yes. people can buy it anywhere Amazon yeah it's gonna be all of awesome is it available for pre-order it is yes um you can they can come to my website yes tell us what that is it's um, CatherineCenter.com. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> and that's K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E Center. And we'll post it. We'll post Center. a link to yeah. it as that's, well. We could also do that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's great <laughs> so things smart. happening to the book, which is exciting. So, yeah. I mean, like it's getting starred reviews and lots of yeah. people being very excited about I it. I see so it everywhere. Yeah. And very great. It's yeah. a very beautiful book. The cover is lovely. Um, and uh, I'm just thrilled for you. Yeah. And when yeah. is your uh, local book launch? Um May 15th at Brazos at 7 o'clock. Awesome. And then also at Blue Willow on May 17th. Ooh, you're doing both? Yes. Damn. <laughs> Smell fun. you, Nancy Drew. <laughs> That's incredible. That's great. That's Man, great. this is a real author we have in our yes. list, guys. Yes. It's great. Okay. Catherine, thanks for coming. Thank, Thank you so much. Me. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. You can follow Hands Off Parents on Twitter. Hands off parents, or you can always send us an email at handsoffparents at gmail.com. Or if you look on Facebook, if you're into that thing, you can find us there as well. Hands off parents is Steph and Abby. Mail camp.